0: Let us pray. Loving God, you are our refuge and strength. You guide us with wise counsel throughout our lives. May we stand with you and receive you with joy. Bless us this day of worship so that we may be a blessing to others. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you see.
1: invite you to turn to page 39 in the United Methodist Tymnal and join together um, as the family of God as we celebrate the sacrament of the baptismal covenant. (coughs) Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. This morning we present Caroline Elizabeth Camplin for baptism and we invite Matthew and Kristen to bring her forward. Matthew and Kristen, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, if you'll face me for just a moment, I ask you, it's okay. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? If so, say I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. do. And will you nurture this child in Christ's Holy Church, that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. If so, say I will. Now you can face the congregation.
0: (laughs) And now, congregation, we have the opportunity to express our covenant love of God and this family. I would invite you to stand. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? We do. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? With
1: With God's God's help, we we will proclaim proclaim the good news and and live according according to to the example example of Christ. Christ, We We will will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that that they they may may grow in their service to others. others. We We will will pray pray for them, them that they may be true disciples who walk walk in in the way way that that leads to to life.
0: Let us now join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old Testament and New Testament. Do you believe in God the Father?
1: I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth.
0: Do you believe in Jesus Christ?
1: I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead.
0: Do you believe in the Holy Spirit?
1: I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. You may be seated. (coughs) The Lord be with you.
0: And also with you. Let
1: us pray eternal father when nothing existed but chaos you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light in the days of noah you saved those on the ark through water and after the flood you set in the clouds a rainbow when you saw your people as slaves in egypt you led them to freedom through the sea their children you brought through the jordan to the land which you promised
0: sing to the lord all the earth tell of god's mercy each day
1: In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your Spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations.
0: Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all the people.
1: Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and the one who receives it, to wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory.
0: All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen.
2: Come here, hey. Hey.
1: Hey. Yeah, it's okay. Look, look here. Look here. Look here. Look here. Caroline Elizabeth, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit work within you, that having been born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, you <laughs>
2: Caroline
1: Elizabeth, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What do you want to do here? You want to try you want to go back to Mom? You want to go back to Mom. You are not my first rodeo, young lady. So if Mom and Dad will turn and face the congregation, Brothers and sisters, this is your new sister in Christ, Caroline Elizabeth, and now it is our joy to welcome our new sister in Christ.
0: Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you as members of the family of Christ.
1: Caroline Elizabeth, the God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. We're also happy to welcome new families into our life this morning, if you would turn to the inside back page of your hymnal to prepare to join in words of welcome. We're going to invite Herm Honeycutt to come forward, we're going to invite Melody to come with him. Herm's coming by transfer from the Presbyterian Church, Noel Snyder is coming by transfer from another United Methodist congregation, and Nathan Hartzell by transfer from the Pentecostal Church, another denomination as well. They come members of Christ Universal Church already through baptism, so we ask you these two questions as you come to join us this morning. First, as members of Christ Universal Church, will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If so, say I will. And as members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, please say I will. And I know you have symbols of that. I'm going to invite you to come place these on the altar. And Pastor Martha has gifts for you, symbols of our commitment to you. A little book that contains the three general rules of Methodist life, to do no harm, to do good, to stay in love with God. So we welcome you this morning. I'm going to invite you to face the congregation. Brothers and sisters, I commend to your love and care these persons whom we this day receive into the membership of this congregation. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love.
0: We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ.
1: These families will be with me in the large narthex after service and I'm sure you're going to want to come by and personally welcome them to First Carry. Blessings on you. We're pleased you're here. Welcome.
0: Let us continue in prayer. God of life and light, God of grace and truth, open our hearts and minds to the liberating and transforming power of your word so that we may do all things as unto the Lord. Amen.
3: The first lesson is from the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verses 16 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. Moses did everything just as the Lord had commanded him. In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was set up. Moses set up the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in the poles, and raised up the pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle, and put the covering of the tent over it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the covenant, and put it into the ark, and put the poles on the ark, and set the mercy seat above the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, and set up the curtain for screening, and screened the Ark of the Covenant, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus ends the first reading of the first lesson. and Savior Jesus Christ, please stand as you are able for the reading of the Gospel. According to John, chapter one, verses one through 16 and verse 14, hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
1: This past July 20th, we commemorated and celebrated the 50th anniversary of the first moon landing and of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walking on the moon. By the way, this is a freebie for what it's worth. The character Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story was named in tribute to Buzz Aldrin. You can use that one however you like this week in conversation. Anyway... Uh, We had this 50th anniversary celebration, and it triggered for me a 50th anniversary commemoration of my own from July 18th. And I remember it because it's connected to that. Um, As Armstrong and Aldrin and Michael Collins on Friday, July the 18th, were being pulled slowly into the moon's gravitational field, I left for my first Boy Scout camping trip. Now, that made the weekend particularly memorable for a lot of reasons, three in particular. First, the mosquitoes were terrible. They were everywhere. You could not get away from them. When I got home Sunday afternoon, I was covered in mosquito bites. Every time I see the film of Armstrong coming down that ladder, I'm I'm reminded of sitting on a sheet in my parents' living room dowsing myself with calamine lotion. You remember calamine lotion? To stop the itching. I was so pink by the time Neil Armstrong got back in that lunar module, it was pitiful. The second thing about that weekend is I discovered that cooking over an open fire is not the adventure it's made out to be. (laughs) And third, I discovered it takes some work to get a tent set up, especially if you've never set up one before and especially if it's pouring rain. Now this was the challenge, you see. It was some peculiar version of scout hazing, I suppose, that another new scout, and I and we were so raw, we weren't even Tenderfoot scouts yet. We didn't have anything, no badge of any sort. And they put the two of us in a tent together and said, go set your tent up. No, no older scout gave us any help, and so we were left on our own to get the tent set up. And it was raining. Rain was everywhere, which also probably explains the mosquitoes later in the evening. And it was, it was classic. It was what you, We'd get the tent halfway up, it would fall down. We'd get it halfway up, it would fall down. We'd get this pole up and that pole would fall over. We finally got it propped up enough that we felt like we could get in it and sleep in it without it falling down and suffocating us during the night. So we climbed inside and we zipped the mosquito netting closed. Only discovered we had enclosed the mosquitoes inside the tent with us. And then we tried to go to sleep. And I lay there in the dark with the noises of other scouts around me and the buzzing of mosquitoes everywhere and the humidity of a North Carolina July bearing down on me, a tree root digging in my back because the other thing they'd failed to tell us is you clear the ground under the tent before you pitch the tent, clothes wet and soggy. And as if I thought it this morning, I can remember clearly what I thought. I was thinking to myself, I have a clean bed at home. (laughs) And air conditioning and a television. What am I doing out here? Now this, by the way, was a question I put to my father when I returned home Sunday evening. I wanted to know, I inquired why they felt that this particular life experience was necessary for me. My father's response was something about character building. I don't remember exactly. Now, just bear with me for a minute because this is actually going to connect to the Gospel reading. Just stay with me. Every time I think of that camping trip, I wonder to myself, and there's a reason I wonder. I wonder if this might be how Jesus felt sometimes when he was here, having left home to be with us having come down and left all that heaven was and heaven is, all that he was entitled and empowered to, to come down here among us with mosquitoes and tree roots and humidity and all the mess we've made of everything, I've wondered, if he's wondered, what am I doing here? Now the reason all that connects is in this gospel reading um, that Martha just read. It's traditionally a Christmas Day reading. John does not begin his gospel as Matthew and Luke. There are no magi, there are no shepherds, there are no angels, there is no announcement of his birth, there's no birth narrative at all in fact. For John, there is no once upon a time in Bethlehem or in Nazareth, John is not so much storyteller as he is poet. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him and without Him not anything was made that was made. The Word became flesh, lived among us, full of grace and truth. And there's the connection because that literally translates like this. The Word became flesh and pitched His tent among us. He pitched his tent here. Another way to read it would be to say, He tabernacled here. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now that's how John's first hearers would have heard it, because they would have immediately made a connection to the Exodus story. That story of generations of enslavement in Egypt and sudden and unexpected emancipation, freedom finally at last, of the journey out of Egypt and the dramatic crossing of the Red Sea with the Cecil B. DeMille special effects and then after that, not much for a while, they come to the base of Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb and they just camp and they don't move anywhere, they're just there. And some of this motley that has left Egypt with Moses begins to question, where is this God anyway? We can't see him. How do we know where this God is? The Egyptians had gods we could see because they'd made statues of their gods, statues in their homes, statues in public places. They believed, the Egyptians, that their gods controlled nature and the forces of nature and that Pharaoh himself was the human manifestation of the sun god Ra. The Egyptians could see their God. What do we see? A cloud on a mountain. All we've got is a cloud on a mountain and this mysterious God who's commanded that we obey him and have give him our total allegiance but he won't show himself or allow us to depict him in any way and how will we know when we leave this mountain that he will go with us So God commanded and Moses obeyed and Moses built a tabernacle a tent A meeting place between God and the people. Sort of, if you will, a church in a box so they could be reminded that God was with them. The Ark of the Covenant was located in it and every time they moved on their journey they would would break down the tent and take it and set it back up and place the Ark in it and the cloud of presence would descend over the tabernacle. But it was over this tabernacle. They do not have a temple. They do not have a permanent residence they have as the symbol of God's presence with them a tent. And that's the thing about tents. They're not intended to be permanent. They're not intended to be located in one place forever. Tents are intended for mobility, to be struck down easily and then to be pitched easily, even in the rain. From the beginning, Israel understands God to be on the move, not simply being where they are, but going ahead of them to lead them to the next stop on the road. And that's the image that John's trying to evoke when he begins his gospel with this word, God in flesh, the eternal Christ, pitching his tent, tabernacling with us. God came in Christ to live with us. God came in Christ to move in this world and in this life with us. And John is deliberate in that image as if John is saying, God will not be contained in the building. God is now present with you in Jesus. Um, This is a non sequitur, but again, bear with me. Has anyone anyone new ever moved into your neighborhood? Um, We've moved a good bit. It goes with my job. And so we've learned to watch how the neighbors behave when we're moving in. Some are blatant. They set up lawn chairs and bring out coolers just to watch the movers unload the moving van. Others just sort of, you know, you can see people up and down the street pulling the window shears back and peeking through. And you can imagine the conversations, right? That is an ugly couch. Why would those people ever buy a couch that looks like, where did they get that television? How many books do those people have? (laughs) Oh my Lord, they've got teenagers. And the reason... The reason people do this, the reason you get curious when new people move into the neighborhood is you want to know who they are. You want to know what they're bringing to the neighborhood with them, right? You want to know if the neighborhood is better for their presence or not. They move into the neighborhood. When he paraphrases this opening of the Gospel of John in the message, Eugene Peterson puts it this way, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw his glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. He moved into the neighborhood. And when he unloaded, this is what he brought. He brought glory, he brought grace and generosity, he brought truth. And he gives us these gifts. He brings them with His coming, but He packs them lightly so that when He has to move with us again, He's able to pick up everything and continue to travel with us. This creating, life-giving Word is with us. I mean, that's the thing. John says this is the Word that creates, and this is the Word that continues to create. We've been using this creed. We're not going to use it today because we said a creed during the baptism, but it's in your bulletin. We've been using this creed during this sermon series, and we say in it, um, we believe in God who has created and is creating. God continues to create. God continues to speak this creative word in our presence and in our midst. Tony Campolo describes it like this. It's a lovely image. He says that, that God creating is like a child clapping her hands. He says, Have you ever watched a father pick up a child and toss her in the air and catch her? you'll notice two things. One, the look of absolute delight on the child's face and the look of sheer terror on the mother's face. And when the father catches the child and sets her down, what's the first thing the child says, right? Do it again. And so the father picks up the child again and tosses her up and catches her and sets her down and she says, do it again. And Campolo says, that's how God creates. The creating word says light and there's light and the light is so delightful the word looks at it with joy and says do it again and there's more light and the word says do it again and there's more light and, and then the word says something like I don't know aardvark and then there's an aardvark and the word looks at it and finds this unique creature and just delights in it and says do it again and says aardvark again and again and again and then the word says hippopotamus and on and on and on do it again, do it again, the word keeps creating until finally the word speaks your name. He names you into being. And he says your name because he's been here. He says your name because he knows what it's like to live human life, to laugh and to cry, to hurt To be filled with joy. To hunger for food and to hunger for affection. To be laughed at and to be wounded when others are laughed at. To stay up too late and get up too early. To have too much work to do at the office and too much work to do at home. He knows what it is to be betrayed by friends. He knows all of that because he's been here. And because he knows all of that, how splendidly glorious human life can be lived in the presence of God. He speaks your name. He calls you into being. That's that's why he came, you know. That's why he pitches his tent here with us in the mud and the rain and the mosquitoes with the likes of you and me why moved into our neighborhood he did it because he loves us because he loves us that much and because he wants us to know it and because we could not get to him he came to us and then he sends us to others to this neighborhood to carry to the world to say look who's here Look who's with us. Now this is, this is good news for us, particularly right now as a congregation. Because it means in spite of our desire to domesticate God and keep him locked up and safe and secure in this room, in this sanctuary, in this temple, if you will, in spite of our efforts to keep God right here where we reliably know he will be when we look for him, God's going to have none of it. And as God said to David later in the Old Testament, he says to us, look, he says, I I kind of like the tent. I, I kind of like being mobile. I kind of like being out in the world where you can't control me. I kind of like being out in the world with my people. And if you allow me, I'll lead you. So Here's why that's good news for us. In three weeks when we go down to the other end of the block and we're going to walk into a multi-purpose room, it's going to be a gym that we're going to have tried to decorate a little bit and make it look as nice as we can and it's still going to feel like a tent. It's going to feel a little bit like church in a box because every week we're going to break it down and the next week we're going to set it up and then the next week we're going to break it down and the next week we're going to set it up and it's just going to feel like we're moving one stage after another. Here's the good news. God will be there comfortably probably more comfortably than we'll be there because God's been there before but keep in mind that we as the people of God have been there before too the book of Exodus ends like this and I have to tell you there are about four or five verses in the book of Exodus and I really meant to have them printed in the bulletin for Martha to read for you this morning and then I forgot to give them to Lori so it's, it's my fault but I'll read them to you now. Just before you turn the page from Exodus to Leviticus, because you're in such a hurry to get to Leviticus. (laughs) Just before you turn the page, this is what you read. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the Israelites would set out on each stage of the journey. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night before the eyes of all the house of the Lord at each stage of their journey. God is present before the eyes of the house of the Lord at each stage of the journey, God was present, tabernacled, the tent set up in the neighborhood. And in Jesus, the Word made flesh, God is present. God is tabernacled with us. He has His tent set up, He is in our neighborhood on each stage of our journey. And friends, I want you to know that even in a multi-purpose room there will be a cloud of presence. There will be a tent of meeting. There will be a tabernacle because Jesus will be in the neighborhood. And at each stage of this journey that we're about to take we will be able to feel the love of God and to be touched by the grace of God and to hear the truth of God, and know that God is with us, and we are not alone, and to say thanks be to God.